Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, everyone. Hi, sweetheart. Hello. Everybody, it's important that you know this is a night pod. It's a night pod. Night pod. <laughs> oh, that's smooth. Oh, yeah. Featuring the new R&B <laughs> smash single, Night Pod. <laughs> Hell yeah. We're recording this at night. That's, that's, the, that's what that means. <laughs> But you know what? The odds are greater that we would do that this week than the previous week. Oh, right, because daylight savings ended. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, night pod season is upon us. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, more of that song coming Sexy. your way. Sexy. <laughs> uh, later on in this episode, we are continuing our mini-series on sobriety and recovery. This week, the middle part of my story, part three. Very, yeah. This is really part two, because last oh. week was more like <sighs> definitions. Maybe we just stopped trying to define what part we're on. We're just continuing our mini-series. We're just continuing the mini-series. Point is, I'll be doing more talking. Jamie's going to be talking Jane will talk too. Yeah. But I'm going to lead. I'm going to take point on this. Great, good. Yeah. Yeah. We would like to invite you, dear listener, to support our work. You may do so at misfitstars.com slash support. You know, I can give you a tangible example right now of the kind of stuff mm. that people who support our work are supporting. Let's hear it. Last night, Shannon and I spent three hours and seven minutes <laughs> on a Zoom call with a younger artist mm-hmm. whom we have been tangibly supporting because of the support that we get from our community. That's right. I have made an entire record with this guy at no cost to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, putting in literally hundreds of hours of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason I was able to do that over this last, like, I mean, 14 months we've been working on this thing uh, is because the Misfit Stars community in part supports us each month. And yeah. You know, financially. And so because of that, like, I can invest a good bit of my time each month that I would otherwise have to be using, like, drumming up more work and looking for ways more, to bring more money in. More paid work, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, because some of that paid work is sort of being replaced by the financial support we get from our Misfit Stars community, right. I can turn that around and just donate my time to stuff that I think, we think, mm-hmm. is important to support and to, and to nurture in the world. And so this this guy, his name is Johnny Mahler. He's a one-person band, like Boney Vare is, you know? Mm. Um he calls it trusty sea creatures. Mm-hmm. And it's like indie rock, alternative rock, somewhere in between the two. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best songwriters I've ever met in my life. It's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. He's really good. <laughs> he, he just like, Shannon memorably uh, phrased it last night. She's like, you just shit out these gold bricks of songs. <laughs> and it's really kind of true. Like, he'll just pop in and be like, hey, I just wrote a song today. And he writes a song in like two or three hours. He's one of those people. Yeah. Like, he's like Shannon that way. Equally annoying, you know? Oh, well, I'm used to it because I live with one. One, but it's also annoying when you meet one in the wild, <laughs> you know. Uh, but you know, he's one of those singular talents that we just felt like someone needs to nurture that. You know, someone needs to water this flower, and we can be that water. And really, like the water is coming from the Misfit Stars yeah, community. That's, that's it. what it is. We are just a conduit. Yeah. We are passing through. We're taking in one hand the support you give to us, putting it in our other hand, and giving it to somebody else. Yeah, that's all we're doing. And so last night we were on a Zoom with Johnny for three hours and seven minutes because the record you made with him is done. It's done, and it's coming out. We found him a distributor. Amazing. Uh, we hooked him up with that whole relationship. We're also uh, putting him into like a little pipeline that we developed to pitch songs to be on TV. You know how every so often one of our songs is in a terrible television program? (laughs) Well, hopefully soon Johnny's songs will be in terrible television programs. You know what I mean? Like, Ghost of Summer will be featured on Cheating Island or whatever, you know? It's called Temptation Island, but yeah. Uh Yeah. Infidelity Atoll. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> but more importantly, uh, like the the Zoom call was all just about kind of making a plan for his release. Yeah. And like like because this is not he's never he's been putting out music for a long time, songs here and there, EPs, stuff that he's recorded at home, and like we, demos. When we say putting out, we just mean he has a Bandcamp account. He uploads yeah, it to Bandcamp, that's right. And then he doesn't have any idea what to do about it. Yeah, what I mean is this is his, his this is his first like official big release. Yeah, and so we're helping him figure out what that looks like. And that that's what the call was about last night. Like just walking through all of like the little steps of getting ready for a proper release, yeah. proper album release. And like doing it just DIY independently like we do, yeah. you know? And we when we say proper, it's not like we have right. answers. We're not like a record label. We Although we we fill some of those functions in a certain way for some of our people. We were with Johnny. We have been, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's really just, you know, it's it's... People who are further along on the path helping people who are behind them on the path. Yeah. That's all it yeah. is. You know, we have never had a massive mega release and we probably never will because we do it ourselves. Like that kind of stuff takes tens of thousands of dollars. Right. That's, that's what record labels are. They're banks. Right. And we don't have that sort of bank behind our right. operation. You know, uh, we have our Misfit Stars community. That's a little bank and we can do little things with that. You right. know, so like we can't invest tens of thousands of dollars to do a mega album release. You mm-hmm. know, uh, we can invest $420 to pitch a song to radio and cross our <laughs> fingers. You know what I mean? Right, we have a yeah. different size budget. But we can help, you know, we we have, we've never done anything huge, but we have been doing music as our full-time source of income for 12 years mm-hmm. by putting out albums every year and nurturing a community around them. Right, That's right. our area of expertise. And so, you know. It's just teaching what we've learned. It's just teaching what we've learned. It was for him, I think, feeling like a real, like, I have literally no idea even what questions to ask, right. let alone what to do. Right. And so we just helped him figure out what the questions are and then yeah. what some of the answers are. Yeah. And it's amazing. That's a long way of saying, please support that. If you're listening to this and you've been listening to the last four minutes and you're like, this sounds amazing. This sounds like the kind of thing I want there to be more of in the world. Artists helping other artists younger than them make art. Well, you can support that misfitstars.com slash support when we say every week please support our work this is our work it's not just us sitting around the house eating bonbons and occasionally <laughs> making albums you know what I mean right like the real tangible work that you're supporting is this work that we do in community not just with the people who appreciate what we do but with other artists as right. well that we, we're in different communities yeah and the work we do with the arts community the art, artist community mm-hmm. that's what you're supporting really here that's one of the things it's it's also so this good. podcast it's also the community nurturing of the community misfit stars community it's a bunch of things but yes that's a great tangible example yeah. our three hours and seven minutes zoom call last night yeah it really really is and you know i want you to know too that say that you were listening to everything up until what shannon just said and you're like yeah you have me but then when you said podcast i'm like no i don't want to support that i hate this podcast you can just you don't have to support things you don't <laughs> like you know what i mean you can do it a la carte you can go to misfitstars.com slash support you can sign up and you can sign up i don't know 20 bucks a month and then you can just send one of us a message. Email me, jamie at misfitstars.com. Be like, look, I want to be really clear. This is just for the artist thing. Your podcast blows. But and I'll be like, okay. But they're listening to the podcast right now. But they could be hate listening. Okay. Maybe they have low self-esteem. I don't know Misfit why stars. people do the crazy things they do. Dot com slash support. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, do we have any announcements? Yes, we have announcements, announcements, announcements. Oh, you worked it I into did. the song. I did. Um, there's actually one announcement that is not on my list here, Go. but I'm, I'm, I'm adding it because it's very important. Uh-huh. We have our next anti-racist book and movie club oh. meeting this Sunday. Oh, it's going to be great. It's Ibram Candy part two. November 14th is the date this Sunday. 3 p.m. Western time. 3 p.m. Pacific time. 
6 p.m. Eastern. If you live in a different time zone, do the math. 2 a.m. ish, um, UK. We are doing uh, the second half of Ibram X. Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. So chapters 10 to the end mm-hmm. of the book. Uh, the la- last we, we broke it into two parts because the last time we did a book discussion, it, we realized, oh my gosh, a whole book in one discussion is it's just a lot. a lot. It's a lot. So we did the first half last month of this book and oh my gosh, it was my favorite discussion so far in the book and movie club. It was so, so great. It was great. Um, so the second half is this month. Now here's the deal. Uh, there were a bunch of people there for the October discussion who discussed the first half of the book. And if you couldn't make it, uh, but you want to be part of this week's discussion, we would love That's to have okay. you. You just have to read the book. So You have to read, really, the second half of the book. Well, and but also I, I think that probably the second half of the book builds on the first half of this book. So it does. like you it wouldn't want to just stop halfway th- or start halfway through. That no. would not... You wouldn't. You wouldn't be doing You'd be yourself any missing favors. some key context. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, we would love to have you. Uh, this is this book and movie club is for members of Misfit Stars only. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be a member of Misfit Stars. Misfitstars.com slash join. Mm. Uh, that was a pretty good whisper voice. Thank you. Shannon was cupping her microphone with her yeah. hand. Uh, and then once you are in that group, then you just need to um, let us know that you want to be part of the, the Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club and we will get you into that group online and then we'll send you information about the Zoom uh, discussion and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So that's Sunday. Uh, second announcement. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take it? Well, I should do the third announcement, so you should do this one oh, too. Oh, oh, sure. Okay. Well, um, oh, that's right. So, 202101, that's our new album. Yes. That we just released a few weeks ago. Uh, Have huh. you heard it? It's mm-hmm. pretty good. Thank you. Um, it is now on YouTube. So, I, some, it used to be that our distributor sent our music to YouTube. Somewhere along the way, that stopped happening. I don't know why or how. I get confused about these things. Anyway, I just uploaded all of the songs uh, to YouTube this last weekend. And you made like little special graphic videos. Little graphic videos, and there's a playlist. So if you are a person, and there are people. When she says there's a playlist, what she means is she took the 11 individual video songs for the album, and she just organized them into the album on YouTube. So if you are a person who, and there are people who listen to music on YouTube, that's like their primary streaming source. Mm -hmm. If that's you... You can now listen to 2020-101 on YouTube. Wow. Amazing. That's so, so great. That's the announcement. It's a really good announcement. I'm so pleased about that. Thanks. I have the third announcement. Okay. It's personal song season, people. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Personal song season is banging this year. So we actually had our act together this year. And instead of announcing right around now, early November, hey, this is a thing we do for Christmas. Everyone's like, yeah, a I, uh, there were two situations. Either people were like, I wish you had told me a month ago I already got my big Christmas gift. Right. Or they're like, uh, I don't have enough time to plan for this. Right, right, Like, it was either too early or too late. Right. But we have been talking about this for like a month and a half, and as a result, personal song season is going like gangbusters. Totally. It is... Uh, it's so exciting. We have all these people signed up. So Shannon sort of thought about it ahead of time. She's like, I think that I could probably write 10 songs, 10 personal songs for the holidays. We have booked five of those. We've got five spots left. And there, I believe, is another one that we are either about to confirm or 
I don't think we have confirmed yet, but anyway, <laughs> point being, people, it's going well, we're doing great, thank you for asking, but <laughs> there's still room for us to do your song, but increasingly every week, there is less room for that, you know? Yeah. It's fine, you're delaying, I see you out there, you've, yeah. been think, you've been thinking about this for six weeks, right? Since we started talking about it, you've been like, yeah. oh, that's a great idea, I should really message them about that, and you've been slacking, and you've been yeah. watching these slots fill up. At first it was one slot filled up, that's okay, there's nine left, but now, you know, we're at five, maybe six booked, which means that like, the amount of available slots are actually in the minority now. Mm. Which means that, like, if you're thinking about this, know that there are also a lot of other people who are in the same position. Maybe. We get this all of the time. Yeah. What typically happens is right around Thanksgiving, mm. like, when people have that kind of pause and they, like, Black Friday commercials come out and it's like, oh, shit, I gotta get my act together for the holidays. Yeah. We get a deluge. Yeah. And we typically book four, five, six, like, personal songs in the two weeks between, like, Thanksgiving and early December. And then Shan just has to write her butt off. This yeah. is why we did it ahead of time, early. people. Mm -hmm. Early. We did it early. Just for you. So try not and to ruin me. our life, you know? <laughs> try not specifically to ruin Shannon's life. It ruins my life a bit when I have to mix, like, <laughs> ten personal songs all at once. We'd prefer to spread them out a little bit. It's healthier for us work-wise. We're trying to have healthier work patterns. Right, so what is a personal song? Oh, yeah, right. So... Because our, our song. work life, whatever. But what's yeah. a personal song? A personal song. A personal song is the best gift you can give somebody. And this is what it is. It's when you hire Shannon, mm -hmm. this one right here, Shannon Curtis, yeah. to write a song, a unique song. It's not like she has a template song and she just plugs in your name or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like Happy Birthday where you just change a person's name. And other than that, it's exactly the same. No, no. This song is for you. Yeah. Do, 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 do. And then I say your name. Like, yeah. No, it's not that at all. It's no. an original song. It's an original song. Based on? And it's based on literally anything that you want it to be based on. Typically, uh, these songs are given as gifts from one person to a person they love. That's most of them. Every so often, it'll be a gift from a person to themselves yeah. mm -hmm. to honor a certain thing that happened in their life. Sure. Or maybe they have passed a milestone or achieved something. Mm -hmm. Shannon's written a fair number of those. Generally speaking, though, and the reason we always kind of get a lot of these around the holidays is that they make the best gift ever. If you want to say to somebody in your life, I love you so much, and you have thought, you've done all the other gifts, mm -hmm. you know, like the, you've done like maybe a fancy piece of jewelry. Maybe you've done an amazing vacation. But have you gotten one of the best songwriters you've ever heard <laughs> to literally interview you about your and this person's story and then take the salient details of that and weave them into a magical, emotional, incredibly moving song mm. that she sings in her amazing voice <laughs> and we record <laughs> in our amazing studio and then send to you to give to that person and blow their mind? Yeah. No, you probably have not done that. But you can do that. Mm -hmm. That's what personal that's songs what are. That's what it is. And that's what personal song season's all about. And we've been spotlighting a personal song that I've written for somebody in the past every week. Mm -hmm. We're doing that for 12 weeks. And we have um, our spotlight this week, personal song spotlight number, what is it, seven, I think this week? Yeah. And um, Thank God. I know everyone's been keeping count. Well, I'm counting. Oh, and, good. And uh, this one... This is actually one that I wrote earlier this year, but we're going to spotlight it right before the break mm -hmm. of the podcast. Um, and this is an, it was an interesting one because it was not from one person to another person. It was several members of a family who wrote about a family member of theirs who had died last year. Mm. And so the song was sort of a memorial. And, um, but like a group memorial. Yeah. A bunch of people pitching yeah. in together 
to yeah. memorialize one person whom they love. So I'll tell you more about that uh, just before the break. Wonderful. Yeah. So people, if you want a personal song, maybe, let, let's back that up. Maybe you're wondering whether you want a personal song, but yeah. you're not sure and you just want a little more info about it. Yeah. Maybe you want to know how much it costs and what the timeline is in the process. That's reasonable. Send Shannon an email. Mm -hmm. And she just has a little email that she'll just type, she just pastes it in and sends it back out to you. No big deal. You know, it's just the standard info everyone asks for. It's great. It's easy. Uh, so Shannon at MisfitStars.com. That's send, it. You send her an email. She'll send you back that little information thing. And then you can just read it and be like, oh yeah, this sounds awesome. I'm definitely doing this. Yeah. And then you just hit reply and you're off. It's yeah. really, really good. Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, okay, great. That's announcements. Wonderful job. Yeah. How are you feeling, sweetheart? I'm feeling pretty good. I was cold a little while ago, so I put on an extra cozy layer, mm. and now I'm not cold anymore. What a good story. It's a good story, right? It's a rags to riches I, story. It's no, heartwarming. I, I recognized a need, and I did something about it, and now I, love I feel it. good. I love it. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm it's good. Like, it's like a story as told by somebody who went to therapy for 10 years to learn how to deal with heat-related issues. It's really good. Well, you know, sometimes it's a little things. It really uh, is. So, you know, I'm otherwise, I'm good. I, I feel... Um, I feel content, I think. I love it. Yeah, how about you? That's such a nice way to feel. Uh, you know, I feel good. Uh, just good, generally. Yeah, I feel content. I feel good in my body. Good. Um, had taken a little bit of time off of working out, and yeah, over the past couple of days, that that season was kind of done. I got back into it, and that's mm -hmm. feeling great too. The the break felt great, it, like it felt genuinely good. Mm -hmm. And then also getting back into it feels good. Just feel like feeling like a little sore in my core. Um, <laughs> just feeling good about stuff. You're um, a poet, didn't know it. <laughs> but, but my feet show it. They're oh. Longfellows. Oh God. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. No. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you're feeling good. I feel cheerful. Uh, that's that's it. You know, I don't really have a lot else to say on that. I just feel good. Nothing feels bad. Excellent. And you know, I don't take that feeling for granted. I really feel lucky about that. And yeah. I really think about that. Like on days when I just feel just kind of joyous and mm -hmm. unencumbered, I really notice it. Mm. Especially like given the last, you know, I've been really open on this podcast about, you know, some struggles I had over the last year and a half, uh, you know, with mental wellness stuff, just not always feeling like really on like center beam, mm. you know, mm -hmm. feeling just anxious or a little bit depressed or sure. having long-term anxiety, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, especially in that context, every single day these days that I just feel kind of generally good, I really notice it and yeah. I really celebrate it. That's good. So that's where I'm at. Feeling celebratory. Awesome. So good. Uh, why don't we quick fire up our good news machine? Ooh, yeah. What do you have? What's in your good news machine? Well, mine is just nerdy. It's national politics. Let's hear it. It's really nerdy that I'm excited about this. But the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed Congress and is going to be signed by the president. I think he's going to sign it today. We're recording this on Tuesday, uh -huh. and I think he's going to be signing it on Wednesday. I think that's right. Yeah, like a ceremony, the whole so thing. So what is in this bill that you're so excited <sighs> There's about? There's so much good stuff, and I'm not even going to touch on all of it because it gets into the weeds. But like the big stuff is, uh, I mean, just some of the big stuff, because again, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, but we will have new roads and bridges. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's a big deal. You know, mm -hmm. we have needed to make a substantial investment in this country in just repairing and modernizing our infrastructure for literally my entire life. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the single biggest investment in bridges 
since the national highway system was built out. Wow. That was in the 50s. Just bridges or roads too? This is the single biggest investment in specifically bridges since the national highway system was built out. Wow. There have been investments in roads, but it's been like not a comprehensive infrastructure bill. It's more been like a highway bill. Yeah, Maybe you remember that phrase from like 20 years ago, highway bill. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's good. I mean, because highways are so much more tangible for everybody. You know what I mean? Mm. Because like you can put a new coat of asphalt right. over a crumbling bridge right. and that's the highway that you have repaired and that's great oh. the highway is the thing that you feel under your tires right. it's the bumps it's the potholes or the lack thereof right, right? And it, or more lanes but the whatever bridge structures yes. need help really really yeah. badly remember like a decade or so ago when that bridge in Minneapolis I just know. crumbled into the freaking river yeah. with cars on it yeah. like that like is not an isolated incident yeah. and it's one that like there's that's a time bomb there are time bombs like yeah. that all over our country there are bridges that have not I'm been a- modernized honestly since the 50s. I'm honestly shocked that this kind of investment hasn't been made much sooner. Like, I can't, like, this This seems like a no-brainer. I know. This is the kind of thing that Congress ought to, I mean, like, they spend kajillions of dollars on the military without blinking an eye every single year. Like, they don't even think about it. This seems like this should be one of the things that they don't even think about. Like, oh yeah, of course our tax dollars should be spent to, like, upkeep our... Yeah, the safety of our bridges. It should be a it should be a standard line item. It should be a standard line item like the military, yes. and it should just be at least pegged to inflation. Also, you know what I mean? And also education, also child care, also elder care. Yeah. Like anyway, thought experiment. What if we didn't spend? a significant portion of our budget on the military. Amazing. Imagine. Yeah, but it's good news. So, good news, good news. Yeah, so uh, bridges, that's great. Uh, roads and bridges, I mean, that's classic infrastructure. You right, know what right. I mean? Uh, also, we'll have much better internet in rural areas not a number of years from now, you know? They're going to extend like, broadband coverage to rural areas. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. And Like, I don't know if any of y'all has ever been to a rural area. It can be really, really, really hard to get online. Yeah. A, like just getting online can be hard. There are some mm-hmm. places that the internet just doesn't go to. Right. You know, we have a friend, a member of Misfit Stars, Landon. Mm-hmm. He recently moved out to the country to live with his mom. She runs oh. a farm. Mm-hmm. And he was posting, uh, apropos of this very discussion on Facebook oh, just wow. this last week, that he... Uh, In fact, I happen to have his thing right here. I'll just read what he said. He said, I'm looking forward to better internet in rural areas. I am a 15-mile drive out of town. First of all, just 15 miles out of town. Mm -hmm. Not 150, 15. So far out in the boonies that cell phones do not even work out here. Also, due to distance, CenturyLink DSL does not work out here either. And Xfinity won't even run cable out here. Wow. So satellite internet it is, and it's slow and gets even slower in bad weather. Right, right? wow. Because it's a satellite, so it's totally dependent on the weather. So right. it's just like, it's stuff like that. That's going to be a thing of the past. Well, and here's the thing with, with that kind of access to the internet. Like it, there was a time in our lifetimes where access to the internet was a luxury or yeah. a privilege. Like a fun it's extra. A, it's a basic functional need to like do life mm. in the 21st century. You know, like we, we need, you need to have internet access to do well, think about pretty the, much everything. Think about know? the pandemic and how all the kids had to go to school at home. Right. Well, what do you do if you don't even have internet right. at your house? Right, yeah. You're going to fall behind in school. Yeah. I mean, it's an equity issue. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know what I mean? For sure. Well, that's great. That's in the bill. It's wonderful. What else? There is also going to, they're going to uh, clean and modernize our nation's water supply systems. Lead pipes, they're replacing all the lead pipes, all of them. Well, you know, actually, on that note, yes. I was reading somebody's commentary that uh, in this particular bill that you're talking about, there's funding to replace 
like something like 60% of oh, the Oh, is there a 60? Okay. The rest of that funding to replace the, re- to do all of the, of the water supply is in another bill that Congress has yet to pass. Right. But I'm sure you're going to talk about that in a minute, so I'm going to just pause there. Great. But part, part of that funding will come with another bill that they'll hopefully pass soon. Mm, got it. But okay. it's still so great 60%. News. Got yeah, it. I think okay. it's 60%. Cool. Uh, well, I wasn't aware of that, but thank you for correcting you're, that. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, what else? We will have improved and expanded public transit. That's a big deal. Oh, There's a big a sig- investment in public transportation. Significant investment in public transportation. That's great. Holy hell, we need it really badly. Yeah. Uh, like we we need it in. We need it to connect exterior parts to interior parts, but also like places like like there are cities that just have like L.A. Like I I can't. It's burned into my brain. I will never forget. Like when we first moved to Los Angeles many years ago, mm-hmm. I had a friend who had already been living there. It was a friend from San Francisco. He yeah. moved down there a few years before I had. And I asked him about public transit and I'll never forget what he said about it. His, his quote exactly was, if you're taking public transit in LA, something is fucked up with your situation. Oh, and like it's really true. But like that's I mean, talk about an equity issue. Yes. You know, like yes. people need to get around and, and investing in public in, in public transportation will make it so that people who don't have access to a vehicle of their own mm-hmm. can actually get from one place to another in their own cities or yes. from city and to like, city. Or they can go further for a commute in a more yeah. efficient way, meaning that the radius in which they can look for right. a well-paying job gets tripled or quadrupled right. or quintupled, yeah, right? Yeah. It just expands access for everybody. It's yeah. so important. That's great. And there's a bunch of other stuff, but those are the biggies. But also, the other thing about this is that all of those things I just described, mm-hmm. they're all physical things that are going to be built. Well, who are they going to be built by? Human beings. Mm-hmm. They're new jobs. Right. This is going to create tens of millions. I think the estimate is 10 million jobs or something over the next like five years, seven years, something like that. It's ridiculous. And these mostly are going to be well-paying jobs and probably mostly union jobs because they're in things like construction, you know? Holy hell. That's great. This is amazing. So this is going to be a huge win for workers. It's going to be a huge win for wages. It's going to be Mm -hmm. a huge win for labor. There's all these knock-on effects you can see why I'm so excited. Yeah. You know, this is great. Besides just the things themselves that are being invested in that will be good for a lot of people, it'll be good for folks who will be doing the work yes. to make those things happen. That's so great. Good. Yeah, very, very absolutely. Cool. And to the point that you were raising, so this is not the totality of what this administration is planning to accomplish in terms of infrastructure. They split their infrastructure desires into two bills that they have been advancing in parallel through Congress, right? right. So this one, uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, it, this passed the Senate first, and that was months ago. Yeah. And, it, and it passed in a bipartisan fashion there. And it uh, was held up in the House. The reason it was held up in the House is because this is like the more sort of traditional quote-unquote infrastructure. It's, 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 uh, I don't even say that because traditional infrastructure is what we say it is like traditional infrastructure mm. is you know and it is child care and uh, all the other things that are in this other bill you're going to talk about in a second mm. but like what what this bill was was the the uh, the list of things they think that they thought that they could get some republican support for yeah because the rest of the stuff that the other infrastructure in this next bill that's not yet been passed is stuff that not a single republican wants to support and that's why it's been held up in uh right. the first bill was held up in the house because like they broke it into like two bills right like the first bill was all the meat and potatoes stuff that I just talked about. Uh, I like to think of it as like, if you asked a dumb person what is infrastructure, (laughs) that's what's in the first bill.
bill. Okay. Yeah, it's roads and bridges. Yeah. Yeah, great job, dummy. Um, but then there's all the other stuff that really, as Shannon pointed out, should be considered to be infrastructure. Things because like, it's the stuff that makes the country work better in terms of how people are able to function in it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Which if you want to just look in terms of brass tax numbers, does redound to the benefit of the economy also. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like childcare and in some cases healthcare and, uh, you know, child Expand- tax credits mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Elder care, mm-hmm. uh, expansion of Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, Care writ education. large. Education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a number of things, lots of things. Yeah, there's so much stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of it should be considered infrastructure. Like, why wasn't education in the like bigger, ba- more basic infrastructure bill? I don't even know. But like, they split it apart because they were worried that if we're all together in one big, huge thing, it would just maybe just stall out. And so they split it into two parts. Uh, and they're, they've been advancing them together, like the meat and potatoes one and sort of the more quote unquote liberal priorities one which again it shouldn't be liberal priorities it's yeah, just it's just, just humanist stuff stop talking about it in those terms yeah. you know like it's all infrastructure yeah 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 so that's why I said quote unquote mm-hmm. right but that's how it's been framed mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. yeah and so they've been advancing kind of on these two separate tracks uh, the idea being that they would get passed at the same time and so the first one is passed and the second one's about to pass and it's being held up temporarily but they're just waiting for a score from the Congressional Budget Office we're kind of getting in the weeds yeah. here you can look it up people <laughs> if you're interested there but, are other podcasts that, go, that will go into this in much more and maybe more accurate detail than we are <laughs> as well but uh, you know it's really 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 exciting the, just the first part here mm. is super exciting all on its own. The second part uh, has even more, mm-hmm. arguably, even more exciting stuff. Yes, for sure. Well, and I think put together these two, these two halves of the priorities of the Biden agenda, this bill that just passed and the one that hopefully will pass very soon. Um, Which, but- by the way, people, they have names. This first one was called the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, and the second one is called Build Back Better. Okay, but my point is that, like, taken all together. Um, what what can be said about this uh, this initiative, these initiatives, is that it's the really the biggest um, investment in making life better for a whole lot of American people <laughs> since like the New Deal. Like they're calling this like the new New Deal. Yeah. The New Deal changed everything in this country. Like it established social security. It established um, just like, like so, so many things that we take for granted now that made life doable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that leveled the playing field in a lot of ways for a lot of people after the depression and World War II and all that stuff had sort of really just taken a big toll on on uh, the lives of American Everyone people. was broken out of work. Yeah. And this so, just created millions changed, and millions of jobs. It's, it's what ushered in the era of prosperity of the 50s and 60s like that people look back on as being like, oh, look at that beautiful booming time in the United States, you know? And things have crumbled since then in terms yeah. of like, there's been a real, you know, effort by the Republican Party for the last four decades to reduce investment like this in the lives of American people. And we're seeing the result of that right now. Yeah. Like people are having a hard time. You I mean, know? really six decades, mm. but concertedly since sure. the Reagan revolution. Yeah. This, this, these two bills put together really is a massive step yeah. in reversing that downward trend of like, yeah, here's the government actually doing something to help normal people. Yeah, and that's something that's so exciting too uh, because these bills... 
Each of them and together are concrete proof that our federal government can do huge, positive, transformative things for its citizenry when people are in charge who care to do so. Yeah. And that last parenthetical there, mm -hmm. that's the entire mm -hmm. ball game, people. Yeah. Because here's the deal. If you contrast this with the signature legislative achievement of the previous administration, Which was what, what was that? It was a $1.7 trillion tax cut that largely redounded to the benefit of the wealthiest people in the country and corporations who didn't need it in the first place. They were already doing fine because, again, they were already the wealthiest people in corporations. Yeah, that was they the, were doing great. That was the biggest legislative achievement of the Trump administration. Yeah, just an upward wealth transfer, right? The basic function of government is redistributive right? Mm. It takes money and it redistributes money. Mm -hmm. It collects money in taxes mm -hmm. and it sends it places, you know? And it can either distribute money toward the people. That's downward, right? Mm. You tax the more wealthy people and you distribute that money downwards, mm -hmm. like by paying for stuff like this, mm -hmm. like stuff that benefits average mm -hmm. citizens. Or you can do the opposite. You can collect taxes from people like me and Shannon and you, and then you can give it to wealthy people mm -hmm. in the form of, uh, in the form of, Handouts. Yeah. And that's what the last administration did. Mm -hmm. What this administration is doing, and I really want to be careful here because like, mm. I, I'm i not like a Biden booster. I am now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was not my candidate in, yeah. the, in the primaries. I was Elizabeth Warren person. We talked about this on this podcast, yeah. you know? We are much more progressive at heart. Biden, uh, you know, campaign is a traditionalist and has a long, 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 you know, 50 something year history of being a traditionalist. That's fine. Uh, a moderate, maybe. Maybe so. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, he has really been stepping up and really adopting some progressive planks in his platform, mm. you know, in the last eight months. And it's really been wonderful. Like mm -hmm. to have him stepping up in this way, leading the charge. I mean, it's not just him doing it. You know, the president always sort of gets the quote unquote mm. credit. His name is attached to it, like in terms of what era it was, mm -hmm. but it's an all of government kind of approach. Well, like, but, but he did put out this plan. He's like, here's, yes. the, here's the stuff that I want Congress to accomplish yes. this year. Go negotiate mm -hmm. and do it. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it, it is, he did set this vision. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly so. But I mean, we, 2020, was like a, a big, like, um, it really revealed the, the ways in which uh, how we'd been doing stuff wasn't working. Yeah. And like, to his credit, it seems like Biden and the folks around him have realized that and recognized that we really need to make some changes now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's great. It's really good news. It's really, really, really exciting. Yeah. Um, hopefully it will demonstrate to people that you that like government isn't something that you should just reflexively fear. Well, here's the thing: government is people. <laughs> the government is people that we put there, that we vote for to go do that work on our behalf. Mm -hmm. Like it's not this like evil thing to be feared. It's not you know it, it's us. Yeah, it's us. It's not intrinsically an evil yeah. thing to be feared. It, it takes on the character of the people we send there. Right. You know. Yes. And so if we send bad people there, uh. yeah, it's to be feared. Like True. government was for sure to be feared from 2017 through 2020. Oh it was really scary and bad yeah. because it was being run by malevolent people who were not interested fundamentally in using the levers of government to accomplish positive goods for its citizenry. Right. But that has changed. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. We can send folks there who want to do good things for all the people. And we can only send people like that there. 
Mm-hmm. We could, we do, could that. do that. We could choose that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get our act So together. that's exciting. So that is what's in my good news machine. What's in yours? Awesome. Mine is not going to be nearly as long as yours. And it's, al- <laughs> it's, it's almost exactly the same as mine from last week. Um, last week when we recorded the podcast, they were just about to give the final approval for kids vaccinations for COVID-19, yes. which they did. And I immediately on my social media feed started seeing Photos of like five to 11 year olds and their little masks getting little shots in their arms. Little and, peanuts getting little shots. Yeah. And I did not expect to feel emotional seeing these photos, but I totally did. Like looking at people's kids getting vaccinated, people whose kids have been unprotected from this virus for. 20 months now? Is that mm. what it's been since the beginning of all this in the United States? I mean, I don't know. I can't even remember the, when it started. <laughs> Seems like so long ago. <laughs> I'm gazing kind of in a misty way up yeah. to I the left. I think it's been about 20 months. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, you know, families with kids have had to, you know, even when vaccinations were rolling out in the spring, winter and spring, you know, people with kids ages five to, or under 11 years old, you know, were we're still in a tough spot in terms of like, okay, we're not completely safe, you know, yeah. like, but to and if see you're not kids, completely safe, you're not safe at all. Right. So if seeing these kids getting vaccinated, I, I wasn't prepared to feel emotional, but I found myself like tearing up at these photos. I, like I almost felt as emotional as I did when I got my own first dose. Aww. Like really, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Yay, science. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, it, it's 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 a huge accomplishment. The, the vaccines are amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not keeping people from getting sick entirely because that's just not how they work. Mm-hmm. But they're keeping people out of the hospital. They're keeping almost one hundred percent dying. Yeah. So you know, this is it, it's 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 it was just very it was just very awesome to see that yeah. happening. And it's going to have so much practical benefit to people's lives I know. in terms of being the final little thing that really enables them to start living in a much more quasi normal way, mm-hmm. you know, and actually like seeing people they love. This will benefit you and me. We like had a practical impediment to going back East to see my family. My sister has three kids. One of them was Fit 11. That time, yeah, that age range. And like yeah. she wasn't vaccinated and we couldn't go visit her. Couldn't even make plans. Couldn't even think about right. it. Right. And now we can. Yeah. Yeah. We can start thinking about that. And which is, it's, it's great. And it's just, and, and more broadly, the more human beings of any age that are vaccinated, the sooner we will be out of this whole mess entirely. Fingers crossed. Yeah. We are really racing a race right now. That yeah. line of how infections are going just last week started creeping back upwards. Mm. So we're just going to have to see how that goes. Like we could push it back down maybe, or maybe we couldn't. Like, I don't even know. Like we're right know. at that inflection point, I've, but I've just, vaccines will help. Yeah. Vaccines will help. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I was going to maybe say some more COVID stuff, but no, let's just Great. have the good news. Let's Great. just be like, yay, kids are getting vaccinated and we'll, yeah, save the rest for another time. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So did we get into, uh, into any adventures over this last week? Did we? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nothing real interesting to talk about that, that is. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 we've restructured that segment, people, because you know what? Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're just like around the house working. Doing stuff that's not interesting yeah. enough to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Um, but I do have something that is interesting to talk about. And What's that, that is Personal Song Spotlight. Personal Song Spotlight. Seven. Are you Personal ready for this? Personal Song Spotlight. Yes. Okay, well, here it is. Do you know this that is, I just wrote that? I, it's very good. Just right now. I, I'm going to outsource some of these personal songs to you. Then. Mm-hmm. This personal song is also called Personal Song Spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So this week, uh, we are spotlighting a song that I wrote uh, just a few months ago, Mm -hmm. actually. It's a song called Stay in the Light. You wrote it recently enough that when you mentioned to me today that this was the one you were spotlighting. You knew it. I knew it and I I sang it back at you. Yeah. Good job, Jamie. Mm -hmm. Gold star. Mm -hmm. A plus. Yep. Um, So this one, like like I mentioned earlier, this was a different sort of project because it was not from one person to or about another person. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them have been, you know, like for a, a spouse or a partner or for like a daughter or for their, someone's parents. You know, like it's oftentimes, you know, a gift from one person to another. In this case, um, a woman approached me because her family, uh, her brothers and sisters, um, and I think, an, I think a, a niece was involved in this as well. Uh, they lost a loved one mm-hmm. last year. This person passed away. At a, um, like, was it a premature thing or just a normal old person passing away? No, 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 no. She was, I think, in her 60s, maybe. Oh, right, uh, you know, okay. 70s, maybe. I couldn't remember that detail, yeah. Yeah, no, she she um, had a disease that took her life, but mm. she do, she passed away um, sometime end of last year. And because of COVID, they didn't do a, a memorial service right away. They, they saved that... Um, gathering and um, sort of celebration of life um, for this summer. Mm-hmm. And so um, in advance of that celebration of life, they decided they wanted to write, have us have me write a song mm-hmm. for them about, uh, t- to just memorialize this woman. Mm. And so it was a couple different of her, like her sisters, it, one of her sisters was one of the ones who reached out to me and that was my point of contact. But the people who contributed to the song who, you know, gave me stories about this woman and shared their thoughts and feelings. It was like four or five different people from the family. And it was like siblings. It was um, this woman's daughter. um, Just various people in the family contributed. So I gave questions to them and they all answered what they wanted to. And then so I got got back like, you know, a bunch of different people's perspective, uh, perspectives on this, on this woman. Mm. And it was really lovely. Um, and so what it, it was a unique experience. I actually felt like I had gotten to know her, you know, she was put this person who passed away last December, just from hearing everybody's stories about her and what was important to them about her. I felt like I was like spending time with her, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and that, that was neat because that, that spirit kind of like made its way into the song itself, I think. Um, But, you know, I was really moved by a few different things about what they... they, It's so interesting. When when I read somebody's interview about a person, there are obvious things that that jump out at me as like, okay, this is important. This is important. This is a theme. This is a thread. What was really interesting to me was to see over the, the writing of four or five different people, those same threads popping up. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was just true, obviously true to the person the song was for because like everybody had the same stuff to say about her. It's you like know? you were a little reporter <laughs> and you were corroborating sources. <laughs> I was confirming mm-hmm. details, exactly. Mm-hmm. But some of the things that they all, sort of the themes that popped up were like, um, this the, uh, was her love of singing. She mm. loved to sing. Um, uh, she, her way of being at the center of things. Not like the center of attention, but she just always wanted to be in the mix. Yeah. You know? Um, her way of drawing people into her life and making them feel important. Mm. That was a thread that they all wrote about. Her way of diving wholeheartedly into life. Mm-hmm. She just seemed like a very vibrant 
person. Mm. It was really neat. Um, even, even when her life was unspeakably hard and she faced some really difficult challenges in her life. Um, and even in those times, her family wrote about how she still just dove right in. Mm. Super cool. And the way in which several of them described how they, they intended to carry her spirit with them and to do their best to live up to the shining example that she set out for them. Like they, they really, there were several people who wrote like, I want to be like her. I want to carry these, these things from her life, the way she lived her life. I want to do that in my life too. Gosh, what a wonderful testament and tribute. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are all the good things that I got to sort of like wrap up into this song for this family. We're going to play it for you now. This is called Stay in the Light. life to every living thing so if you're wondering why we're all here it's that the warmth of your glow persists in the atmosphere and it helps us know everything's alright we're gonna stay Gives life to every living thing So if you're wondering Why we're all here Is that the warmth of your glow Persists in the atmosphere And it helps us know That everything's alright We'll just stay That's why we're gathering 
good to me. Oh, thanks. I really like it. Thank you. Just it's another one of those ones that I just really like love as a song. Mm. Like I I don't know if anyone who's was listening would like have picked up on this, but like it's got a pretty unique structure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, out, you know? <laughs> uh it's kind of got its own little twists and turns and like parts come when you don't expect them. And it really just makes the narrative super interesting, I think. Mm, cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well the most important thing is that the family really liked it. Yes. <laughs> She, uh, the the woman um, who was my my point person here, mm-hmm. she told me after listening to it, my heart is full of appreciation for your work to capture the soul and spirit of our sister. <sighs> you absolutely got her mm. and us. Mm. Bless you and Jamie. Which mm. I just love that. Like I that love was- that I just catch a bonus blessing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you do just like collateral blessings. Uh, well, it was that was that was my hope was that this woman would be captured in the song. That was the goal. And that the family thought that that happened was like, that's I mean, exa- exactly what I wanted to have happen. That capturing thing, really, I mean, this is like a modern day version of 300 years ago when you would hire someone to paint a someone portrait? you loved. Yeah. Really, like you try to capture that person. Yeah. So that after they were dead, you would still see them in a lifelike way there on your wall, right? Yeah. And this is sort of the same idea. It's like a way to capture someone you love mm-hmm. and kind of, preserve that moment, mm-hmm. that aspect, that snapshot of them kind of in amber, you know? Yeah. People, if you would like to leverage this gift in your life, <laughs> this amazing talent that Shannon has, uh, you should do that. Like, really, like, you can hire Shannon to write a personal song for you to give as a gift this holiday season. Mm-hmm. Or... If there's somebody in your life that you want to memorialize. Yeah, right. Seriously. That's another, another, you know, this is why I wanted to show lots of different examples of different songs we've done because really the possibilities are are all up to you. You know, we can do Mm -hmm. this for lots of different kinds of scenarios. Just really depends what you value in your life and what you want to remember. Yeah. You know, it's really a self-guided exercise. I would love to give you information about the pricing and the process and get you one of those five remaining spots that we've got left. Mm -hmm. Um, You can email me Shannon at misfitstars.com and I will send you that information and you can look it over and decide if it's something you want to do. Yeah. You still have a little time, but you know, the time is dwindling and the spots are being taken. TikTok. Which is really good. That's great. Uh, We're glad that we get to do this for a bunch of people. We hope you're one of them. Yeah. So, Shannon at MisfitStars.com. So, should we take a little break and then get back (gasps) into the meat of our recovery stuff? I can't wait. This is my favorite part. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Awesome. We'll see you soon. All right, back in a sec. Recovery talk. I'm so excited. That's great. I'm so glad you're so excited. Well, and I think that our listeners are maybe excited too. I've, we've gotten so much great feedback from people about this little mini series on yeah. sobriety and recovery, and I'm 
so pleased to hear from so many of you mm-hmm. who have found our discussion around these topics uh, helpful or encouraging That's or That's like inspiring. the entire point. That's the whole point. So thank you for sending us those messages if you are one of those people who've done that. And also I want to say um, before we get into everything that if as you've been listening to these uh, this mini-series, you've had thoughts or questions, um, things that you want to share apropos of this stuff, we'd love to hear that. If we've got enough of those aggregated at the end of this little mini-series, we could address those mm-hmm. in a, an episode all by itself. So if you've got you know questions or if you want to you know, know more about something that you've heard or something specific for one of us, for one of the stories, you know, of our lives that we've shared, you know, feel free. We're open mm-hmm. books here and true. we would love to hear those thoughts and questions. Yes, so, that's true. Shannon at MisfitStars.com, Jamie at MisfitStars.com, or you can message us on social media or in the Misfit Stars social network. Mm-hmm. All of the above works. Yeah. Please yeah. send us messages. We embrace it. So to catch folks up about where we've been, we started this whole journey with each of us sort of telling our origin stories of how we landed in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, the before times. The be- yeah. And then we've sort of transitioned into sort of a middle part, like like what happened, mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, but we've, we've been kind of in the middle of your what happened for a little while, mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. right? We've been spending some time there. Which is great. Well, it's important because like the transition, that hinge point from not being sober to being sober, mm-hmm. like- it's critically important, yep. you know? It's very, very easy to have long-term sobriety. I mean, challenges come up, but like going from not sober to sober, that's what's hard. <laughs> that's very, very, very hard. Mm. And so it seems to me the most important thing to focus oh, on. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's so much, and there's so much transformation that happens in that yeah. condensed period of time also. Yeah. Like that's when the beginning of like, kind of rewiring your brain starts and you keep doing that Mm -hmm. as you, as the years pile up for you and your, you know, Mm -hmm. years you've got under your belt, but you know, that there's so much just important stuff at that crux. Yeah. So much. So uh, just to recap a little bit, when we last left our hero, that's me. Uh, Shannon's a hero too, but right now it's me. Uh, I had just gotten uh, tricked. I got tricked into going to my first AA meeting. Yeah. You know? Uh, It was unfair. I thought I was just going for brunch. Right. But with a quick detour. I thought what I was doing was just accompanying my girlfriend. We were kind of on the outs at the time. She had gotten sober two weeks earlier. We'd kind of not been seeing each other. But, like, we kind of reconnected. You know, she let me come over and have a shower and a meal, both of which I really badly needed. The next morning was a Sunday. It was Sunday, June 20th, 2004. And she woke up, we woke up and she said, okay, so here's the deal. I go to meetings now on Sundays. That's what I do. It's the first thing I do. Uh, And if you want to come with me just to keep me company, you're welcome to. And I would buy you brunch afterwards. Yeah. And I wanted brunch. I could not purchase brunch myself. I had no money because I was a very, very bad alcoholic. And so I was just like, okay, I'll come with you to your stupid meeting. I was like rolling my eyes super large. Yes. And as you're telling this whole story, I want to men- also mention that if y'all haven't listened to the part where Jamie really talks about this part of the story, 
two episodes ago. This is a major part of what he shared. Yep. So if you've not heard the first parts of the story, I would, I would go back and listen to those first bits first. Start with the origin stories and you work your way toward where we are now. Yeah, you can binge it like Squid Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Squid Game, but with way, way, way less bloodshed. Less death. Yeah. So much less death. Uh, and you went to your first meeting. I went to my first meeting and I was just there as a tourist, right? I was just there uh, just to be supportive of my girlfriend. And not even really. I was, I was there to be supportive of me and my brunch plans, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but it, there's, just, there's a way that meetings go. Any meeting you go to anywhere in the world, uh, and for kind of not, not just A, but any kind of A, you know? Uh, it could be Overeaters Anonymous. It could be Narconon. It could be... Crystal Meth Anonymous, it could be marijuana, it could be gambling, whatever it is, whatever 12-step meeting you're at, there's just an order that things happen in, you know? Yep. Uh, there's always just like the opening, it's usually serenity prayer, you know? Just like, everyone's like, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You just start there, you know what I mean? You say it together, it's like setting an intention, you know? It's sort of like the, it's a big thing that you, that you do at the beginning, just to kind of get your heads in, in the same space together, real briefly. And then there's just some preamble kind of stuff, and some people read, you know, various things. There's just things on, like, laminated pieces of paper that someone's like, hey, can you read the steps today? Hey, can you read uh, the traditions? Can you, there's all these different things you read. Mm-hmm. And you know, at a certain point in there, uh, the secretary says, okay, uh, could anyone who is within their first 30 days of sobriety, please just raise your hand and introduce yourself by your first name and last initial, uh, just, uh, so we can get to know you, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and that would have been a great time for me just to keep my mouth shut because I could have just skated through. No one would have been the wiser and just get out of there and go get brunch. Right. But what I actually did is I raised my hand. Or really, like, something raised my hand. Like, I don't, to this day, feel like it was me. My memory of it is that my hand went up, and I was appalled that it was doing so. (laughs) That's so funny. You know? Like, ah, fuck, what's happening with my hand here? (laughs) This is going to cause me problems, (laughs) was the feeling I remember having at the time, you know? Yeah. Very uncomfortable. Like, ah, shit, what's going on? What Mm -hmm. am I doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um but my hand went up and then I got called on because that's what happens when you raise your hand in that situation. Yeah, you mentioned a couple weeks ago when you shared this part of your story yeah. that you weren't sure if you actually identified as an alcoholic that day. You can't remember. Oh, I for sure did. You for sure did? Oh, yes, for sure. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. No, I think you're misremembering I'm whatever so I might have said. Okay, got no, it. No, I definitely did. Got it. No, I, that, that was a very key part of my story. Yeah. On the very first day, I raised my hand and said, my name is uh, Jamie and I'm an alcoholic. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. Uh, and I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity to like really like mention that because it wasn't some half-hearted thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, I'm Jamie. You know, yeah, okay. I didn't like hedge my bets. I didn't like Got soft it. pedal it. I raised my hand and I identified myself as an alcoholic. Got it. And in that context, I was identifying myself as an alcoholic in his first 30 days of sobriety, which implicitly means that I was thinking about being sober. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. If you think about it. When was that the next meeting you went to? Later that day. Did you really? Uh-huh. Huh. Yep. So brunch. Went to one at night. Yeah. Yeah, Well, brunch and then just some time and then uh, dinner and then an evening meeting. Mm -hmm. I went to like a really old gay guys meeting. Uh, Great. That was the second meeting I ever went to. It was down on like uh, Guerrero or maybe Dolores Street and like uh, 15th or so in San Francisco. Not a meeting I went to subsequently. Uh, It was a really, it was a really good meeting, but it was a bunch of like, uh, it was a bunch of like 50 plus guys. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Age 50 or plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) 50 year old and older, older guys, you know, and I mean, a couple of things. First of all, I was like, you know, 31 and they were, you know, 
there was a big age difference there. I did not feel like I really fit in there. Mm -hmm. You know, just in terms of like, they didn't feel like peers, but then also Mm -hmm. when you have a bunch of people who are older, you're going to have a lot more long-term sobriety. Oh yeah. So there wasn't anybody like new like you. It might even have been explicitly like a 10 plus years meeting. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because they have those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone's welcome, but like the people who speak are Mm -hmm. 10 plus or 10 or more years of sobriety, you know, Um, which can be great. But again, I didn't have anything to relate to there, you know, because Mm -hmm. when you're talking about 10 plus years of sobriety, um, you know, it's a more nuanced view on it sometimes. Or or like a, a good speaker, like someone with a bunch of sobriety can still share in a way that really connects with the newcomer. Yeah. That's the point of sharing is to connect with the newcomer, really, to be of service Mm -hmm. to the newcomer, you know? But then the subsequent discussion can be much, kind of more rarefied because the people there don't have beginner concerns. Yeah, and They have older older sobriety concerns. You were on fire at this point and the fire needed to be put out and this meeting was maybe more folks who were like reconstructing their houses after a a long ago fire. Or maybe working on like a vacation property. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send that metaphor. They're, totally. Yeah. They're, they're were, they were then where I am now in sobriety, mm-hmm. you know? Then, yeah, that's very, right. Very far in. Uh, you know, I've got the basics covered in yeah. my sobriety. And we're working on the details. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, this first meeting, the first meeting, that was the second one. But the first one, I raised my hand uh, as a newcomer, you know, which was really extraordinary. And it really, and it, and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. It changed my life. Because what happened in that moment is that I said in public, in front of a room full of strangers, something that I had only ever acknowledged to myself in my most private and fearful moments. Right. And when I had pri- when I previously acknowledged it to myself in those fearful moments, it wasn't from a position of strength or pride. I wasn't identifying as a way of owning a character defect in myself mm-hmm. in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, there were more like 3 a.m. drunken self-conversations where I'm like, I'm a fucking loser. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic. I can't do anything about it. I'm going to die like this. Right. You know, I'm worthless. You know, the, that's what it felt like. And so it was never a source of strength for me. Mm. But this was the first time that I'd ever said that out loud in a room where the point of it was to identify mm-hmm. and to relate to other people and to allow them to relate to me mm-hmm. and to help me, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so I just, I started there. Mm-hmm. That's where I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, apropos of a sidebar that Shannon and I uh, had uh, before we got back in this part of this episode, this is kind of like, you know, when you're watching like a TV show and the beginning of the TV show <laughs> is like previously on the morning show. We've been watching the morning show. Previously <laughs> on the morning show. And then they have like a little two and a half minute thing that just shows a little montage of stuff just to get you back into, okay, okay, here's here's where we are. Highlights. For complex stories, it's good to do that. For like Friends, they never did previously on Friends because it was dopey and sure. you could just be right there. Okay. But for stuff that's more nuanced, has a complicated storyline, okay. it's kind of good to do the recap, right? Yeah. Because that way people can be like, okay, yeah, yeah, here we are. I'm in the frame again. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I've done a lot of stuff since two weeks ago, but I'm with you now. <laughs> so people, that's what I'm doing. If you've heard little bits of this story before, you're not going crazy. It, it, I, I am repeating myself a bit, but it's just so you're caught up and I'm caught up and we're on the same page again so I can continue forward. Got it? With you. Okay, cool. So I started there uh, and you know, I went to my second meeting later that night. Mm. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that my girlfriend and I probably went to, uh, I don't know, 
10 meetings in the first week. Mm. Like mm-hmm. at least every other day we were going to two meetings, mm-hmm. you know? We we're just diving right in. She was a little further ahead than me and she wanted to really nurture me in that and I needed help and it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I quickly settled on a meeting uh, that, was con- that, that really felt like it was kind of my vibe. Because when you're first starting to find meetings, like you, here's some advice. If someone is listening to this and you're thinking like, okay, maybe I want to check out meetings. Don't just check out one meeting. The odds that the first meeting you go to will be the one you end up at long-term is very, very low. You just got to like find your people and you'll just know. Like you'll walk into a certain room and the vibe will just be like, ah, oh, yeah, this is my people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, in, in one sense, any room of AA anywhere in the world, that's my people. Mm-hmm. They're all alcoholics. That's my people. Mm-hmm. They're my people. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like there's just certain groups that like maybe this one's more businessmen and maybe this one is all women and maybe this one is teens. And like I could be welcome at all those meetings, but like, you know, the, you want to find one that's just like you walk into it and it just feels like, you're hanging out in like an environment that just feels intuitive to you. You know what I mean? It's going to be different for everyone. So you just shop around. You go to a bunch of different ones and eventually pretty quickly, usually you'll be like, okay, I like this one and this one and this one and this one. I ended up with a diet of like, you know, seven, eight, nine meetings that I would go to pretty regularly, you know, different days of the week, whatever. But there was this one, it was called High Noon. Uh, I mentioned this last time, it met at 1215 because, you know, <laughs> alcohol's got to be a little stubborn, do it their own way, right? Um, but it was a five days a week meeting. It was mm-hmm. also, they had one on Saturdays also, but it was kind of like a different format. And so I never went to that one. Um, but the Monday through Friday one, I, I went there every day. Mm-hmm. Every, like mm-hmm. every week I went there, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much all of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I found my first sponsor there. Mm-hmm. And the way the sponsor thing works, just to again recap for people, uh, if you're looking for a sponsor, a sponsor is just somebody who is older than you, but I mean older in AA years. My sponsor is actually younger than me mm-hmm. in, in belly button years, mm-hmm. like in terms of like how old he, how long he's been on this planet, mm-hmm. you know? But he was older than me in AA terms. That's mm-hmm. what that means, mm-hmm. right? So he had been around for like, a year and a half, mm. which to me was like a year and a half. How could you possibly do that? You're an old timer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I found myself like an old timer with a year and a half of sobriety. <laughs> uh, but you know, the way I found him is he just randomly shared at one of those first meetings I was at. It was within the first week. It was maybe, you know, day five or six or something. It might've been that Friday. Mm. It was definitely in the first week. So it was probably Friday, the 25th, I would imagine of June, okay. 2004, I, I would guess would be the day that I heard him speak. But he just was a speaker at high noon. It's a speaker discussion meeting. So, you know, there's a preamble stuff. Someone speaks for 20 minutes and there's discussion, right? That's the format of a speaker discussion meeting. He was a speaker. And you, the idea is when you're looking for someone to be your sponsor, listen in the same way that like you shop around for meetings until you find the ones that are just like, you just feel intuitively like you relate to mm-hmm. them and the people there and the way they talk about things and the tone, you know? Mm-hmm. You look for the same kind of thing in a sponsor. You look for, you listen for someone to tell your story. Like, you wait until you hear your story come out of someone else's mouth. Or at least the feeling of it. Like, because mm-hmm. obviously the exact details aren't mm-hmm. going to be the same probably, but like, mm-hmm. you recognize yourself in what they're sharing. That's exactly mm-hmm. it, yeah. Uh, and it really will happen. I mean, that's like, you hear people say that, wait till you hear someone tell your story. And it really feels like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like Shannon said, the details will be different, but you'll get that sense like, oh my God, Gosh, this guy, this 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 is me. Like this is what I've been trying to tell people. Mm-hmm. He gets it. This person gets it. Mm-hmm. And it's that feeling of this guy gets me, mm-hmm. or this woman gets me, mm-hmm. uh, or this person whose gender I don't know because gender is an artificial construct gets me. Yeah. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. point isn't the gender. The point is the person that you feel like they mm-hmm. get you intuitively. And this person, I felt like would understand me because I understood him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. figure that's reciprocal. Yeah. And so I went up to him after the meeting. I just asked him if he, he would be my sponsor. 
because I had heard in previous meetings over the previous five days of AA that that's what, that's you're, what supposed you're supposed to do. Was that terrifying? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was like asking someone like on a date or to like dance mm. at like a junior high dance, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he said yes. Because mm-hmm. like if you're willing to sponsor people, that's what you do. You just say yes, mm-hmm. you know? And then you try the relationship out and if it doesn't work, someone will fire someone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I have, I have fired and been fired, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of sponsorship. It's fine. Mm-hmm. That's actually a good thing to do. And you should do it like if you feel like you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but Josh was wonderful and he and I are still in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he and I, I took to the steps with a quickness. And that's because that's, again, that's mm-hmm. what I was told to do. Like it what they say in AA is like, once you start getting to the rooms, it's like, just don't do what you think, right? Because what you think landed you here. Yeah. <laughs> what you think has not been working. No, not at all. And people will literally tell that to you, you yeah. know? Um, like salty old timers will be like, sit down and shut up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't talk, listen, mm-hmm. and do what you're told. Mm-hmm. Because we have done this and we know what we're doing. So do what we tell you to do and you'll be okay. Yeah. You know? It's like, it, it's not a lot of like, oh, we're just like tolerating everyone's stupid ideas here. Which is, which is great, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a place for that, and that place is, I don't know, therapy. You know yeah. what I mean? Or the bar. If you want a place where you can just talk stupid shit about your grandiose delusional dreams that aren't working out and probably won't work out, yeah, that, that's what the bar is for. That's funny. But, like, sobriety rooms, it's for actually doing work. Sit down, shut up, and do what you're told. Yeah, it's really, really simple. So it's it, not what, on, like, first grade. Right, what were you told? What I was told was to find a sponsor and work the steps. Okay, that's it. Yeah. That's really it. And that's all that you get to, and also maybe find a commitment. That's like lower down. Mm-hmm. A commitment is just like there's certain- A job at a meeting. There's jobs at meetings. Yeah. That's right. And so like for a time I was a greeter or there's like showing up 15 minutes early to set up the chairs mm-hmm. or there's staying after the 15 coffee. minutes to tear down the chairs and put them back yeah. in a pile in an orderly way, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's just like, there's like seven different standard commitments for every meeting. Sure. There's a treasurer. There is the person who does the uh, sponsorship announcement. Literally your whole commitment is just to be at that meeting and say, would anyone who's willing to be a sponsor raise your hand? Yeah. <laughs> if you need a sponsor, look around the room and anyone who's got their hand raised, go talk with them after the meeting. That's a commitment. Yeah. That's something you can do to be of to service to AA. Make that announcement. Yeah. It's, it's just like a works progress administration job for drunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just to make you feel needed and useful. And it's really wonderful, But you the know? two main things were get a sponsor and work the steps. Those are the it's two biggies. It's not rocket science. It's no. not like you have to invent the way you're going to get sober. They're oh, like, no. we've got this figured out. Here are the things you need to do. Yeah, and indeed, we would prefer you don't do any other thing than those two things. Yeah. And we would really really ideally prefer that you just do it right now and as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want you to dilly dally. You don't need to be precious about it. You don't need to spend a lot of time faffing about. Mm. Just do it. Just do the freaking work. Just immerse yourself in it. It's not hard either. Did you start the steps like your first week? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. So I I asked him to be my sponsor on a Friday. He said, absolutely. I think we set up a meeting for either the next day or the day after. Like we met like right over the weekend, you know? And so the... And he, he just started walking me through the steps, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and because I was told to do them and that's what would bring you relief, I, and I really wanted relief, mm-hmm. I figured intuitively that the quicker I did the steps, the quicker I would get relief. <laughs> yeah. I was right. Amazing. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> and it's wonderful. And so... You know, I've been being like, I, I keep mentioning the steps, doing the steps. I'm sure there might be someone listening who's like, what are the steps? You keep talking about it, but it's abstract and I don't know what it means. It's literally 
12 things that you do in a row. Mm -hmm. It's just you do step one and then step two and step three. And each step is a little bit of reading and a little bit of writing and a little bit of talking with your sponsor. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's reading and it's kind of like journaling sort of, mm -hmm. but some, sometimes it's more orderly. Sometimes it's just like more abstract, like write down how you feel about this, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's very specific, like write down everyone you have a resentment towards. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like it varies in specificity, but it's just like a really simple task oriented thing. It's never very long. I think mm -hmm. the longest I ever wrote was a single, was a, was a notebook page. Mm-hmm ever for any of the steps. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to write 5,000 words on right. a treatise on why you're an alcoholic. Yeah. Again, no one would care. You know, your thoughts about why you're an alcoholic <laughs> are utterly irrelevant. You know, uh, that's what you got. That's what landed you there in the first place. Right. It's just more about staying on task and just like doing the thing. The point of the steps is that the steps are a systematic mm. programmatic means of, first of all, getting yourself into a frank and humble mental state in which you are prepared to do an exhaustive moral inventory. Mm. A moral inventory is just a fancy term mm. for like a house cleaning, like inside yourself of like, mm. what's all the stuff I've got accumulated that, like literally like a spring cleaning for the soul. Right. You know, like imagine that you've been living in a house for like 15 years and you're just, you've accumulated a bunch of shit and everything's dusty. Mm -hmm. And imagine you go through and you sort everything and all the stuff you don't need, you put into a pile to take to Goodwill and mm -hmm. then you dust everything else and clean it. But at the end of it, everything is just the way, back to the way it should be. Orderly, nothing you don't need, everything you do need in its right. place. It's like that, but for all the resentments and just like, all the emotional and mental stuff that you have accumulated over the lifetime of living in your imperfect brain. Right. So we've been talking, one of the metaphors we've been using in this mini-series is the metaphor of sort of having like a tumor or like a cancer inside your body mm -hmm. that's that metastasizes with the, the unhealthy behaviors that you've been using to cope with whatever yeah. you need coping with and that it just grows and grows and yeah. that it's and that it's all wrapped up in in shame and it's all wrapped up in those unhealthy behaviors and the more you do those behaviors to deal with the shame the more it grows and all that kind of stuff so it's really like at the source of the source of all the unhealthy behavior which is entangled with whatever pain you've you've been carrying or shame you've been carrying yeah. it's getting in there and excising that tumor from your removing it. body removing it but I love what you just said a minute ago about how the first few steps are getting you into a, a place where you are mentally and emotionally sort of prepared to do that surgery. Yeah. That, that's a really great way of setting that up. I really like that. Great. Like that, was, that was really yeah. was neat. So, you know, I thought it might be helpful for me just to literally walk through the 12 steps oh, yeah. and just touch on each one. Let's do that. And just kind of explain a little bit like what they mean, just to kind of demystify the process for yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, Because I think that it is a mysterious and possibly even anxiety inducing and maybe scary prospect for someone who's thinking about undertaking some sort of right. house cleaning of this nature. Yeah. Like it can feel daunting yeah. in the same way that the idea of self-releasing a first record might feel just like <laughs> a big daunting unknown to our friend Johnny. Yeah. But the, after, we got, after we spent time with him on Zoom and just kind of explained, it's just like this and you do this and this. And he, uh, he left it with some action items and some stuff yeah. he could do, a checklist of stuff he needs to accomplish and it's much more manageable. Yeah. Maybe I could demystify yeah. the steps in the same way for people. You it's know? a great idea. So I'm just going to read each one and talk briefly about it. There are 12 of them, people. Mm. 
there are 12 steps in the 12-step programs. So the first step uh, is the foundation of all of it. It is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And first of all, sub whatever your personal issue is if alcohol isn't it, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be if you're in like, uh, you know, Food Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, mm -hmm. it would be we admitted we were powerless over food, that mm -hmm. our lives had become unmanageable. Mm -hmm. The point is that whatever's going wrong inside of you you find a way to make it feel temporarily better. That's the thing that that's, that's mm -hmm. that noun in the first part of the mm -hmm. sentence. And like everyone's, everyone's puzzle piece that makes them work better temporarily is different, you know? Mm -hmm. We have a friend who, who her program would be, we admitted we were powerless over gambling, that our lives have become unmanageable. Right. But it's the coping mechanism that through repeated use renders your life unmanageable. And you know, spoiler alert, and you've heard me talk about this before, the thing, the noun, that's not the problem, that's the symptom. Right. The unmanageability, <laughs> that's the problem. Right, and yeah. that's why there's that second half of the sentence, right? Yeah. And it's really interesting, right? There's not actually a whole lot of action items in Is the 12-step list. Many of the, many of the 12 steps mm -hmm. are just like admitting, coming to an understanding about, yeah. Being ready to something, you yeah, know, there's yeah. literally one later on, just like slightly down the list. It's like, we were ready for blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know, just being ready for something is a step. Yeah. There's lots of that because a lot of it's just like gentle, like it's like mental chiropraction, just gentle little realignments <laughs> to get your perspective changed a bit. Mm. But, you know, here's the thing. You cannot cure something until you have accurately diagnosed it. It's the first right. foundation of medicine, if you think about it. Well, the second, the first being do no harm. The second one, though, is you know, after do no harm is know what the thing is that needs to be fixed. Right. I'm paraphrasing. I haven't been to medical school, <laughs> but I imagine it's something a lot like that, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that until you have accurately and specifically diagnosed the problem, you can't treat it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might know that you have a huge problem, but until you put your finger directly upon it and say this, this here, this is my problem. Mm -hmm. As soon as you've done that, then you can be ready to fix it. So step one is, is putting your finger on that problem and saying and admitting it. Yes, and the admitting. It's really mm -hmm. key that that's the verb, right? Mm -hmm. It's not we thought, you know? Mm -hmm. It's we admitted. In that same way that when I raised my hand in mm -hmm. that first meeting and said, uh, my name is Jamie and I'm al an alcoholic. Mm. I was admitting right. to a room full of people. Something you had that kind of done step one when you raised your hand. In a certain way. Yeah. In a certain way. That's really, really true. Mm -hmm. You know, And the formalized version of that with the steps when you're doing it with your sponsor. And by the way, when I say doing the steps with your sponsor, quote unquote, that's just like you and your sponsor sitting in a private place together. It could be like a lot of, a lot of like sponsorship stuff happens over like coffee shop tables. Yeah. Or like we would go get coffee at the coffee shop place at the corner of like 24th and Valencia. Then we would walk across the street there's a school there and we'd sit on the steps of the school mm. and do our step work. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just like you and your sponsor talking things over in a private way without other people listening in or mm -hmm. intruding or whatever, you know, or disturbing you. It's a focused thing. And like literally the first step is like, so he had me read, you read a little part of the big book. The big book is just like the writings. It's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's the collected writings. It's the, it's the program, quote unquote, of AA. There's all these terms, but like the program is the first 100 and 165, I think, pages of the big book. And then the rest of the big book is just like a lot of personal anecdotes and mm -hmm. examples and stuff like that. But like everything they learned about like how the process of getting sober works is in that first part right. of the, the, birth, the book, the first 100 and I think 65 pages. Uh, and so, you know, you read a little bit of it 
like you get homework, you know, you end up reading the whole thing over the course of the 12 steps. So it's like the first, I don't know, 20 pages or something. I don't remember. Uh, I've got it written down somewhere. You don't have to memorize it. It's fine. Um, but then really like the homework I had for the first step was just like write down 10 examples of the way in which alcohol has rendered your life unmanageable. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was real easy for me. You know, I was at the time homeless, mm -hmm. so, you know, that's biggie living in your car. Things aren't going great. Got you know? fired. Yeah. Unmanageable. Yeah. Things that like I'm not in control of and the evidence of me not being in control of this is yeah. manifest, yeah. you know? Um, so that's all that is. It's just admitting that you were powerless over alcohol or whatever it is in your life mm -hmm. and, and that, that your life had become unmanageable. That's step one. Mm -hmm. That's it. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. This is an interesting one. This is the first time we touch upon that idea that I talked at some length about last week in the foundational concepts uh, segment, the idea of a higher power, right? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't even get called like a higher power it's or God or anything. Power it's greater than yourself. Power greater than ourselves, right? Yeah. And that really is the, the basic idea of a higher power. It's not God, capital G, white-haired, monotheistic deity smiting you and stuff. It is just a power greater than yourself. And if you are starting to get sober from whatever it is you have a problem with and you need an example of some a power greater than yourself, like Shannon uh, said a few weeks ago, think about being in that room full of people helping each other stay sober. Well, that's a power greater than yourself. I mean, literally, it's like 20 people. Mm. 20 people is more powerful than one person. Mm -hmm. That's a power greater than you. Mm -hmm. Start there. Mm -hmm. You might develop a more nuanced spiritual understanding at some point in your life. Also, you might not. It's fine if you don't. Right. It's just the point of it is that you get your head around the idea that you're not in a you're not in control of every single goddamn thing that happens on the planet <laughs> and that b perhaps there are forces at work that you could tap into that could help you with this right and again it's not religion. That's not the force that's right. being tapped into. It's just this, the power greater than yourself in this situation really is just like the power of like that group of people trying yeah. to get each other sober and stay sober. Yeah. That's very powerful. Mm. And that really fundamentally is the idea of a higher power. Mm. It's the group. It's all the people helping mm -hmm. one another. You know, mm -hmm. that's all it is. Step two was literally just came to believe. You remember I said a minute ago, there's mm. a lot of these steps where you're not really doing anything. You're just making mental adjustments. Yeah. It's really like step two is just like getting your head around the idea and like really discussing it through with your sponsor. If you have any questions, like this is where atheists can get hung up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Steps two and three are tough. This can also be where someone like me who had just left organized religion mm. and found herself in a 12-step recovery room can get hung up mm. <laughs> because I was really ready to be done with all of that. Yes. Um, but so so for me, this step was it took me a bit longer to come to believe. Yes. <laughs> um, but it really just, but, but you're right, it's a mental adjustment. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what it ended up being for me too, yeah. was I, I had to figure out what that was going to mean for me. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I was faced with a choice of, do I want the sanity and the serenity that I'm observing in the people in this room who've been in recovery for a long time? Yes, I do. Yeah. And if I want that, then I need to shut up and follow the rules. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? But I had to figure, I had to do a lot of mental adjustment in my own mind about this coming to believe yeah. in a power greater than myself. I had, to, I had to come to an understanding of what that was in a new context because the old the old description of God was not interesting to me. No. The old description of God that I had for the first part of my life was not... 
I knew that was not going to work for me. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly it. So it was, yeah, it, it, the coming to believe came, took me a little bit of a time. <laughs> yeah. And it took me a little mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. you know, because I came to it from much more of a atheist perspective, right. like a yeah. outright distrust of religion, but from a mm-hmm. different perspective than your outright mm-hmm. distrust of religion, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. very different angle, you know, but like there's a reason that they put it right up at the top because it's something you got to get over. Yeah. And, and really, Getting over it is kind of the point of, right. for a lot of people, of step two. Yeah. It's like throwing out your preconceptions about what the idea of a higher power could mean and just being open to the idea that it could just mean something different. It could just mean mm. a group, a higher group consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's really for me all it ended up being, and it was mm-hmm. great. So that's step two. Step three made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Mm -hmm. And I want you all to know, Mm -hmm. by the way, that in every text, including the one I'm looking at here, as we understood him is italicized. Yeah. And indeed, the word God is followed almost every single place it exists in the AA text, the big book, uh, by the italicized words, as we understood him. That is very, very key. And they made it explicitly so. Mm-hmm. It's not like some subtext. It is the metatext. It is it is the urtext. It is right there in front mm-hmm. of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really important. And they were very explicit about it, which is really, really cool, right? Uh, and But still, despite the fact that they're even right here in the text of the third step, so explicit about the idea that it's not the God that you think of when you think of God, that monotheistic Christian deity, it is God as we understood him. It gives it, you have free reign. Mm-hmm. It's a blank slate that mm-hmm. you can project whatever you want onto. Again, it's just about the idea that you aren't controlling, you aren't in control of everything. The point of this step is turning our will and our lives over. Making well, It's interesting. It's actually or, not doing that. Right, it's sorry. making a decision to. Sure, right. We're not even at the point of doing it. <laughs> that actually, like, if you Fair think- Fair point. If you really break down, if, if you spend a lot of time with these steps, I think that you, know, you and I both have an understanding that actually the turning over of the will- and our lives happens later on. That's yeah. much more of a uh, step, you know, six, seven, eight, nine thing. Sure, really, sure. We're this ahead is just of this is just made a decision. If yeah. you think about it, the first step is admitting something. The second step is coming to believe something, and the third step is making a decision. So far, not too hard. Yeah, really, Inter- <laughs> not a lot of heavy lifting in terms of what you have to actually do. It's much right. more internal. Yeah. but it's really, really important. And there's a reason that all these steps are here, right? right? And the, it's the the idea about making a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him is the idea that like every single person without fail, here's something, I mean, everyone's story in a 12-step program is unique to them. But there are commonalities with people who are in 12-step programs and there is one bedrock commonality which is that every single person in this 12-step program is using the thing, that noun in step one, whatever the thing is that they are powerless over, mm-hmm. they are using that to try to control their life and to try to control how they feel. Uh-huh. They're trying to control things with alcohol or they're trying to control things with sex or with gambling or with porn or with whatever your thing is. Mm-hmm. You're using it to control how you feel. Yep. And when you make a decision in step three to turn your will and your lives over to the care of God, again, because God, remember, is a power greater than yourself. Well, what's that? The idea is that you are making a conscious acknowledgement that you, that the way that you've been doing things, trying to control stuff on your own in your faulty way, that's what landed you in the rooms in the first place. It's not working. Making the decision to turn that control over, to, to relinquish control. When you say to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, again, God as we understood yeah. him, right? It's, you're saying, I, am, I have been trying to control everything. 
in this step, in step three, I am consciously acknowledging that what I need to do is to stop mm-hmm. controlling things mm-hmm. and just to let go of that mm-hmm. and instead try to follow mm-hmm. other people's direction mm-hmm. and get the help that I need. Yep. That's all it is. Man, that the control thing is at the heart of all of this. All of it. No matter <laughs> what recovery program a person is in. Yeah. That is the heart of codependency. It's the heart of alcoholism. It's the heart of all of it. All of it. All of it. Control. Control problems. <laughs> and that's that's really it. Yeah. Um, so that's step three. That's all it is. It's a simple thing. Uh, but it's a crucially important oh, yeah. thing, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason it's up top because you gotta, like, you gotta be willing. Mm. You've really, because here's the thing, none of the rest of the steps will work mm. unless you have honestly, truthfully mm. made a decision to relinquish control and to try something mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. That's what this, that's what step three is. And, and and it's really good that it's up top like this. Like if, if it were like step 10, it'd be like, well, I, I'm almost all the way toward the end and now I'm going to quit. Like if people are going to quit, there's different points in the steps where mm-hmm. people quit. Step three is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Like there's attrition. Like, because it's really hard to give up control. Yes, <laughs> totally. Why. And, pe- and, and here's the thing. Here's a dirty little secret. I think a lot of people will, a lot of people who quote unquote tried to do the steps and bailed at step three will be like, oh, I couldn't do the God thing. It's all Christian. That's bullshit. It's not. It's not Christian. I think that that's an easy cop-out yep. way 100%. to justify not being willing to give up control. Mm-hmm. Can I can I insert a thought here? Yes. Um, it's not about the God thing. It's about the control, the word control and giving up control. Yes. Um, so, and it's about this idea that having, uh, trying to control something and the difference between trying to control something and acknowledging and embracing the agency that you have in your life are two very different things. Like, because there's, there's this part of me that when I hear, and I remember this when I was first starting out in recovery too, there's this part of me that was like, well, giving up control, well, like, who am I going to give control to? Like, it's my life. I, I, I feel like it's been so out of control. I feel like I need to control it more. I need, yeah. to, make, I need to make my decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's the, like, the really miraculous and crazy awesome thing is that like, this relinquishing of control, the mm-hmm. way I had been doing it, is what led me to being able to embrace the agency I have in my life. Whoa! Does it? I'm not. I'm not even sure. I'm like like describing the difference very well. I think you did a decent job. Okay, but like that's that's what it's really important to me to say that here though because it's not like um, it's not like you're it's not like you're. <sighs> I mean, you are surrendering, but it's like, it's, it's not like, it's not like you're, uh, you're surrendering something that you shouldn't have had to begin with. Yeah. That's a good, a good way of saying it. I, to, you give up control, you give up controlling as a way to find a path to actually having agency in your life. Yeah. Like I, it's, I, it's about I, the idea of conflating control with power. Mm, you mm. by relinquishing the idea of control, mm. you can actually put yourself in a position in your life where you have real power. Yes, yes, that's like the really like crazy, like unexpected twist in all of this. Mm-hmm. Like you, we were powerless over these things, yeah. right? And giving up 
trying to control them is what actually gets us to a place through working the steps where we do have actual, like real power. Yeah, you're trading fake power for real power. Yeah, you're yeah. trading the illusion of power for actual yeah, power. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great really point. It's really awesome. I'm really glad that you made that point. Thank it's, you. It's, it's, it's so true. Yeah. So that's step three. Um, so that's the sort of, that's the getting ready. That's the preparatory stuff, mm-hmm. right? Steps one, two, three are kind of the getting all ready. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Step four is where you start. It's where the rubber starts really meeting the road. Yeah. It's where you start actually doing stuff. Yeah. It's where the shit gets real. Yeah. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Ouch. Whoa. Okay, so that just sounds a little scary. First of all, mm-hmm. searching and fearless moral inventory. So what does that even mean? Let's break it down. So first of all, moral inventory. That's mm-hmm. that thing I was talking about earlier where you go through and you really figure out, like you do that house cleaning. You figure out what all has been going wrong mm-hmm. and and... and and you write it down. Right. And searching and fearless. Searching means it's wide ranging. It means that you're not just like glancing into a darkened room, being like, ah, nothing too much wrong here. You're, go- <laughs> you're turning all the lights on, you're going with a flashlight into the corners and you're looking in every cranny, every little part of your psyche, all of it. Mm-hmm. And you are really just trying to be as thorough as you possibly can. Uh, and fearless, searching and fearless, right? There's some stuff, like if you're built like me, like most people who have some kind of like addiction problem have done at some point because of the unmanageability and the actual lack of control they had over it, yeah. have done some things that they're ashamed of. Sure. Oh. I did a shitload of stuff I was ashamed of before I got sober. I I'm know you did too. Raising my hand too. Yep. Everyone has done that. You know, that's the nature of this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so when they say searching and fearless, that's what fearless is for. It's because some of the stuff can feel hard to face. Like you might just want to, you might be tempted to be like, well, I, I know it on the inside, but I, I'm just not going to write this one on the list because I don't want to tell my sponsor. I don't want to tell anybody about it. I'm, I don't want to put embarrassed. this in black and white. No, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Mm. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to get it out of you and onto the paper. In the same way that mm-hmm. when I raised my hand at that first meeting and said, my name's Jamie and I am an alcoholic, mm-hmm. it took that acknowledgement of being alcoholic from inside of me mm-hmm. to outside. Mm-hmm. You've got to get it out of you, yeah. right? And in the same way, when you have stuff inside that you feel shame about, the last place you want to keep it is inside of you. Yep. You got to get it out. Mm-hmm. That's the entire point of this. You are unburdening yourself of mm-hmm. these feelings, these shameful feelings. So when we say may they searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, that's what we're talking about. We are purging our soul. We are yeah. writing down every single thing. Like, And the shape it takes mm-hmm. is that you, uh, you basically... There's directions. Make, there's directions. There's, there's yeah. like directions. Uh, and I'll make it really quick, but basically like you are writing down the left side of a piece of paper. And the first thing you write is every single person or situation that you feel a resentment about or feel wrong in some way about in your life. Like you mm-hmm. might feel angry or mad or ashamed or embarrassed or whatever it is. Any negative feeling you have about anything, you just vomit it out onto the page. Just, mm-hmm. just a one per line, just on the left side of the page, just like a few words, you know? It might be like... Yeah, it's just if it's if it's a person, you just put their name. That's all it is. You put, you know, Shannon, <laughs> yeah. or whoever it is, yeah. or it might be the government, or it might be, you know, <laughs> like, my dad, yeah, Don's <laughs> Coffee Shop, like whatever, like <laughs> okay. anything that you just are mad about. Like oh, may, maybe you yeah. shoplifted something from a coffee shop yeah, and you're yeah, holding yeah. shame about Got that. It. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you embarrassed yourself really badly at a bar. Well, maybe like the bartender or something. Mm-hmm. Like anything mm-hmm. that doesn't feel good inside you, it's on that list on the left hand side, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> And then 
The second thing that you put down, you do, you end up making columns, right? Yeah. So that ends up being column one. And then you add a second column, column two. What was threatened? Right. Mm -hmm. So what did this situation threaten? And it can be like, did it threaten my self-esteem? Did mm -hmm. it threaten my finances? Like getting fired. You might have a resentment against a boss who fired you mm -hmm. because it threatened. Well, what did it threaten? Well, uh, I felt humiliated. So that threatened my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. uh, it threatened my finances because like I mm -hmm. was out of a job, mm -hmm. you know, and there's all these different things that can be threatened, mm -hmm. you know, like your like sexual relations or, you know, your friendships or there's, mm -hmm. there's a whole list. And you mm -hmm. just basically like pick from anything that applies from the list. You just say, threaten this and this and this and this. Yeah. You know? And then you say, for the third column, uh, what was my part in it? Mm -hmm. Right? And so that's interesting, right? Because so many things on this list might be, well, this person fucked me over and that person fucked me over. I'm mad at them because they did me wrong. Yeah. Right? But if you think about what it means to have some something go wrong in an interaction like that... It's an interaction. Right. It's two, there's two people. They, they weren't doing something to, in a void. There was you also. Yeah. I mean. That's on the other side of it. There are some circumstances in life where you are like a victim of trauma or some bad actor, bad action. You could be an innocent bystander. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Th those are rare. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are mm -hmm. practically, it's totally true. And yeah. we all have a couple of those yeah. where something random and bad just sort of happened. But generally speaking, that's not how life works. Generally speaking, situations happen mm -hmm. because we have had a part in them. Right. But like, like one of your defining moments from your childhood and the behavior of some of the adults in your life, none of that was your fault. You didn't mm -hmm. have a part in that. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, you're absolutely right yeah. about that. But again, if you think about it, like that might be the root of that situation, yes. that adult in my life acting badly, but then how I subsequently dealt with that, yeah, that's, well, that's your on part. me. That's There's, my part. Right, right, right. So even if it is something where it's like an act of God, it doesn't end there, right? That interaction doesn't stop there. Right. Like there's a subsequent part, which is how you de you dealt with it, you know? Yeah. So even if you didn't cause it through some fault of your own, mm -hmm. you probably had some negative interaction with it after the fact, mm. right? Mm -hmm. The point of it is for every single thing on this list, mm -hmm. each one of those line items in those columns, mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not being like, well, this person did this and this and this. Totally not the point. That's right. their. Pro that's for their AA program yeah. or whatever. Yeah. For your program, for your working of the list, yeah. what you're doing is you are really just looking at what you did, what your part in the interaction was. And it doesn't have to be negative. It's not like it's a self-pity or blame mm. fest. Mm. Like you just want to look as honestly as you can mm -hmm. at what your part in it was. Right. Right? And maybe your part was positive. Mm. Maybe you didn't actually do anything negative and you really just got smeared by somebody who treated you like a jerk. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe like you were dating somebody and they ghosted you. Well, that's not your fault. Right. But, and maybe your part is, I was just trying to do my best. And maybe that honestly is it. Right. But the searching and fearless part also means that if, that, that you don't get to just give yourself a pass no. on those things too. Like no. you really do need to scrutinize and like yeah. what... What did I contribute to this? Yeah. yeah. And was there anything I could have done better maybe? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what goes in that column. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and really, and that, that's it. That's the searching and fearless moral inventory, yeah. you know? Um, it's, it, it's breaking it all apart. It's yeah. getting really granular. It's like listing all of the situations that you have a bad feeling about, yeah. a negative feeling of some sort about, and then just really breaking them down mm -hmm. into the component parts of what made the situation. So you can just really look at it in an objective kind of way. So mm -hmm. again, it's not, it's not some scary abstract monster in your life. Yeah. It's not just like some weird 
sort of quasi shapeless fear thing inside mm-hmm. of you. It's like Megan really screwed me over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened? Megan broke up with me. Okay. Well, why did Megan break up with me? Well, I was acting irrationally and I was yeah. acting very possessively and I was trying to be very controlling mm-hmm. and I wasn't giving her enough space. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and whatever else it was, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then it's not some like monstrous abstract thing. It's this really concrete thing that you can look at in as objective mm-hmm. a way as possible. So to go back to our like removing a tumor metaphor. Yes. I feel like this is the step where you have opened up the body cavity and you see the tumor there and mm-hmm. it's connected to all different parts of the body around there and you want to get the whole tumor. Mm. So this is the step in which you are taking your little scalpel and you are separating the tumor from the healthy parts of the body tissue around it and you don't want to miss any cancer. You don't want to like leave some cancer in there. I have to take an issue with your uh, metaphor here. Why is that? Because I think what you're talking about is step nine. I think I think the separating with the scalpel is step nine. Do you? I think what we're okay. doing. I think what we're doing here. I think step four. If you want to do the cancer metaphor. Okay. Step four <laughs> is where you are drinking the solution and doing a CT scan. <laughs> step four sure. is a CT scan. You're identifying every single last little bit. Okay. Every the size and the shape of this cancer. You have found all of the all of it. You've not yeah. missed. Okay. Fair enough. This the CT scan. Thank you. That's good. Okay. I like that. I appreciate you following the metaphor though. (laughs) Shannon is dogged with metaphors. I really am. I'm a songwriter. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. So that is step four. And you know, that's a biggie. If, if people, if people are going to fall out of the program, step four is a real big place because taking all the stuff that you're feeling ashamed Mm -hmm. about and writing it on paper is just too much for some people's psyches to bear at that point in time. Right. Well, you know, this is also something, the the word fearless is interesting to me because I don't think that... I mean, I, I see what they mean. Like it, it's it's like a it's a way to say courageous, maybe. Yes. But I think you know, sometimes, uh, most of the time, I think when we do things courageously, we're scared. Oh yeah. But we do it anyway. Do it scared, like your mom it's says. It's the scare. It's the do it scaredness of it. It's not like you don't have fear. That's right. Yeah. And that's probably why this is a, a hang up step for a lot of people. Is it's it's scary. Yep. To excavate all that stuff. Yes, it is. It really is. Because some of it you'd probably prefer stay buried. Right. But it, staying buried, that's why you're sick. Yeah. That's what's causing you to feel sick. Yeah. Uh, so that is, uh, that's step four. I want to do a time check here. Oh, we're, yeah. Uh, we're at like an hour 40 or so. I wonder Are if we- Are you serious? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's funny. Before we started taping this, we were like, you know, it's, it's fine if this is a shorty. Oh, but you know, it's not short. I wonder if we should maybe we should. Uh, do a little pause and just pick back up next time with step five. Okay. We've gotten through the inventory. That's good. That's enough work for one week. Yeah, that's a lot. Good job, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to emphasize... Uh, you know, this stuff is old hat to me. I have been living with these concepts in my life for like 17 plus years, you know? Yeah. I'm very comfortable and familiar with them. I could imagine that even though I am doing my absolute best to be very clear in the way that I'm kind of walking through the stuff mm-hmm. and, ex- and explaining it, you know, and sharing my experience around it, I could imagine you might still have questions, right? Mm-hmm. If, if that's the case, if you have any questions about any of this stuff, if I can clarify any of it, if there's just something I said that you're like, could you unwind that a little bit more mm-hmm. so I can understand it better? Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to do that. Mm-hmm. You could just message me uh, or Shannon. Uh, I'm at Jamie at MisfitStars.com. Shannon is at Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Uh, we're totally available for these conversations. We have them a lot with people. People reach out to us about this stuff, yep. you know. Uh, we are, we're here for that. I mean, I don't want to do spoilers, but... 
Step 12 is kind of this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's being available to other people. That thing that we were talking about with that, that musician friend of ours, Johnny, yeah. you know, we're further ahead on the path and we're helping him because he's further behind the path and we're yeah. just, we don't know everything. We don't know where the end of the path is, but we can help him from where he's at to where we are. Yeah. And yeah. by the time he gets to where we are, we'll be further along. We help him. We keep helping each other. Mm-hmm. We help the people who are behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pass it on. And that's what, uh, that's what this is, you know? That's why we're spending so much time talking about this stuff because it's, really helped us in our lives be better versions of ourselves and and just have more fulfilling lives oh completely utterly and completely lives that feel not out of control yes (laughs) but powerful so if we can you know help anyone with that we will and we like to so you know if you want if you want to talk with us about this stuff you can just message us Jamie or Shannon respectively at misfitstars.com we are here for you Mm -hmm. or you can always reach out to us on socials so I guess that means next week we're picking up with step five that sounds good to me um awesome I can't wait uh Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club on Sunday, the 14th of November. Three West to, Coast time. Can't wait to see y'all there. Um, that's that's it. Great. We'll be back next week with more good stuff. Um, until then, take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. We'll see you soon. See ya.